Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There it is. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. Hey, are you one of our geeks and sneaks? Are you out there on a run or a workout using DLC to fuel you? We got your back. Hour and a half of gaming goodness. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's we like it to be. Let's say that. Completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week. Harry's, Meta CDN, and Hover. They brought the show to you completely free. And DLC is the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy... Who joins me in thanking all of our servicemen and women, past and present, around the world on this Memorial Day, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, and a special um, shout out to my friend Chad Kavanaugh, who was a guard of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, uh, an honor guard there, prestigious position, served, and um, my father as well, who was a uh, member of the Navy. That's pretty rad. And I know that we have uh, several service people who listen to this show. I've gotten many emails over the uh, over the year and a half, we've been doing this show from people who are active duty, and uh, we uh, we want to say thank you to them specifically. Uh, we are uh, rocking this Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be a fun day at talking about games. Not tons of news, but we do have an awesome guest. You know, people always ask me what does DLC stand for, and I got to tell them it's downloadable Kanata, it's downloadable Christian. But this week. Oh, we're excited because DLC stands for Digital and Literary Creator because we have the executive editor of Game Informer magazine and also the co-writer with Chris Cluey of the sci-fi epic Prime, Mr. Andrew Reiner. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Big fan of the show. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you for spending your your, uh, holiday day with us. We appreciate that. It's going to be fun. And real quick, what's on the cover of your next five issues? Go. (laughs) (laughs) All awesome stuff. We have a a pretty nice lineup uh, moving forward here. Can't wait to get our E3 book out there. That's going to be a big one for us. Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, The covers are my favorite part. I know I don't mean that to sound negative, but man, you guys have nice, (laughs) uh, nice splash covers every month. Really, really beautiful stuff. Yeah, screw the writing. Just look at the art. There's it's writing beautiful. in there. It's like Playboy. Who reads it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like that sweet fold out <laughs> for the cover. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you, are you guys gearing up for E3? You guys got big coverage plans, I'm assuming? You, we do. It's it's nonstop. I mean, pretty much since last year's show has uh, ended, we've kind of been planning for the next one. And now it's just chaos. Like, I mean, pe- people are running around the office throwing papers for no reason. And uh, <laughs> that doesn't I mean, seem it's... like a professional way to handle things. <laughs> no. And then you get to the show and all you're doing is you're just sitting there, you know, like sitting at a press conference, like, 
cool, we did all this planning and we're doing the exact same thing we did last year. <laughs> yeah. I just like the idea of this office where people just stand up for no reason and throw papers. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to do that whenever you go into print there you go. and stop the presses, <laughs> although you'll probably get fired if you do that one. Stop the presses. I love it. Um, <laughs> and there goes millions of dollars and you're fired. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, there isn't a ton of news this week, but there's some juicy stuff. So let's get right into Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter. That is DLCSOTW or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Andrew, as uh, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. What is your story of the week this week? I'm going to go with uh, Palmer Lucky getting having another lawsuit against him. Hmm, interesting. I guess this is something maybe we could do every week, right? Like, <laughs> how many lawsuits does he have now? Yeah, it's several. Uh, this is, of course, the, the founder of Oculus, and... Um, this week, another company said, hey, you stole stuff from us, bud. Um, you have a non-disclosure agreement that you violated, and you used some technology that you developed while you were working here in your new project, and we want some of them sweet Facebook monies. Um, so what do you make of this, Andrew? Do you think uh, you think this is just where there's money, there's lawsuits? Or do you think this is because, as you said, he has several of these. Do you think this is a pattern of behavior? Yeah, it's a hard one to peg, but um, I guess the timing, I, I'm a, a little dubious of the timing and, and them coming forward now. Like, why didn't they come forward earlier? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I don't know how lawsuits necessarily work, how long it takes to brew them and, and get them going. But uh, that seems a little suspicious to me, like just coming forward now, like this guy is rolling in cash. But at the same time, like like we've been mentioning, he's been he's kind of had his hand in it over and over and over again. So uh yeah i don't know i don't know what to make of it i well the one thing i would say is never never uh line yourself up with a company called total recall technologies (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's working on virtual reality tech yeah we just want to make the best virtual reality in the world (laughs) i mean seriously that's 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 your your first mistake never ever ever do that (laughs) how long is it going to take until your product comes out Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Sorry. Enough Total Recall <laughs> references. Uh, luckily, on this show, we have a former lawyer turned stand-up comedian. Uh, so, Christian, as, a, as, our, as our lawyer consultant, as our law expert, what do, you, what do you make of this one? Whose law licenses are both inactive and I cannot give legal advice. I need to uh, legal. That's the only thing I can say legally is that I cannot give legal advice. You went. You went to law school long enough to know that you need disclaimers on things you say. <laughs> yes, I went to law school enough and passed two state bars in consecutive years, and then quit practicing. So I know enough to say I can't say that I know anything. Um, it 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 is. It's tough. Part of it is. The big thing is for tech companies in general or any company where you're creating something or if maybe you're a hobbyist in the thing that your company also creates, you get into a problem of whether or not you created that thing under your term of employment for the company at which if you do that, the the default rule is that anything that you create or invent or come up with is owned by the company. Whether And then you get into you know the detail of a work for hire or you're an employee or this, that, and the other. But just 
you know, 10,000 feet above looking down at this thing. If you work at a company that creates VR stuff and then you create your own interesting stuff in your garage that weekend that is any way related to VR stuff, there's a really good chance the company you were working for owned those ideas and that technology. And so whether or not that's the case here and, and Palmer Unlucky, who I think is changing his, <laughs> his last name depending on how these suits go, um, <laughs> whether or not he wins these, you know, it, it, I think it's not necessarily a case of whether or not he created something at home that he then took with him to to Oculus. But it's this, you see it a lot in tech where execs bounce around companies, especially because companies start up and go away and then get rolled into another company and become a different thing. And when you have this guy who's been in this field for a, a very long time, especially considering modern VR, um, I understand how prior companies that have folded look at this thing now that's becoming a success and saying, um, you wouldn't be there without us. I think a mainstream example to look at is the film representation of Facebook and um, the social network and how the Winklevoss twins claimed that Zuckerberg got those ideas and worked on that stuff because of what they were doing. And, and these cases are oftentimes hard to prove. You want to think the best of people and think they didn't steal tech from someone else, but you also then have to realize that he maybe, if he did do it, he didn't even realize he did it, right? You spend, these aren't facts of this case, just hypotheticals, but you spend 10 years working on a technology and working on a thing and then you leave and do something else for four years and then you dive back into that field and you have this great idea. Would that idea have existed but for you worked for that other company? Um, it's fascinating. I, IP and intellectual property right law is super interesting, and, and this is another case. It of, is because I super fell asleep during all that. But <laughs> so no, I think you're right. <laughs> I think it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's interesting. But do you, don't you think, Christian, that maybe a little bit of this is is kind of what Andrew was talking about? Of like, hey, they have a B in front of their aliens now, so people file lawsuits. I mean, yes, that's a pessimistic way to look at it. Uh, I think the the more realistic way to look at it is bringing a lawsuit is expensive, especially a complicated technical one where I gave a 10,000 foot overview and you fell asleep, but yet you talk about <laughs> heroes of the storm every week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, here's it's the expensive. Storm, <clears throat> and like, I have a case, you know, I'm thinking of suing someone for $12,000. No attorney will take that case. You know, it's not yeah. worth the time. It's not worth the money. And so I think that's where they probably being, not looking at this company as a shady company just trying to cash in. They, they did their due diligence. They saw if they had a case. They maybe even set up and ran a mock trial to see if they have a case. They hired specialists to look at this stuff to get a hold of Oculus public demos and tore down those units and looked at them and decided they have a case. It's going to cost them this many hundreds of thousands of dollars to bring this case. This company is a billion dollars. Probably worth it. The snarky way to look at it is like, uh, we're jumping on that money train too, yo. <laughs> and you don't know what it is until the lawsuit is brought. If it gets filed in East County, Texas, it's probably a patent troll. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so I think the 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 prediction of this, it, it seems pretty likely it's going to be settled, right? There's not going to be any problem for Oculus going forward, right? With this? It's, the, it's the same thing that's going on with John Carmack and Bethesda, right? Mm. Like there's a similar suit going on there. Uh yeah, you'd think that they would probably try to settle out of court, maybe not even get it to court. But, I mean, at this point, Palmer Lucky can probably open his own courthouse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah hard, I don't know. The hard uh, part but it's, it's really interesting that, you know, this thing's coming out this year. Obviously, it's not going to derail its, its release. 
but um yeah it just seems like like i was joking earlier like every week it seems like there's another one of these yeah for sure um christian what what do, what do you think is your story of the week not the biggest story of the week, but it's one I'm most excited about, and it has been confirmed that PlayStation 3 fight sticks are going to work with the PlayStation 4 version of Ultra Street Fighter 4, which comes out, like, what, tomorrow, um, the 26th? So it's coming out. It's the, you know, all the DLCs included, 1080p, 60 frames per second, but it includes the Lab Zero drivers that support the PS3 fight sticks. Um, that's awesome. I hope that means they're going to work for Street Fighter 5. I love the fact that the people... Um, at Skullgirls and, oh man, blanking on the names, the two guys that developed this driver have put it out free to use if you license Lab it. Zero? And that comp- yeah, that Lab Zero. I forget the individual guys' yeah. names. Um, the, but they put this product out and companies are using it. Mortal Kombat supported it. Now Street Fighter, Ultra Street Fighter 4 supporting it. When you invest in big, expensive peripherals like that, that especially ones part of the game like street fighter branded ones i love seeing that stuff carry forward especially now when it's a usb you know it's not it's not as if it's a super nintendo weird little six prong plug you're plugging into your console so hopefully we'll see more of this going forward i would love it if i could buy i've always wanted to own an awesome um racing wheel but it's hard to drop four hundred dollars on something that's going to last two years yeah yeah Yeah, i think you hit the nail on the head i hope it's you know for street fighter five you know i I love Ultra Street Fighter 4, but it is seven years old at this point. And yeah. I just can't go back and play it. But if, if it is like day one support for Street Fighter 5, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's Dude, the thing, true, yeah. right? Like we're going to get Street Fighter Ultimate, or excuse me, Ultra Street Fighter 4. And then like two weeks later, they're going to debut 5. And it's going to be like, oh, I'm playing the old and busted. And I want the new hotness. Yeah, but this is 25 bucks. I, I mean, this is clearly a, a, a version of an HD remake, right? It's a stopgap, but... They're not Capcoming the price of it too bad, <laughs> and they're supporting old fight sticks. So I think they're doing enough right to warrant it. A shout out. Do you or Andrew have you? Do you guys have any stupid peripherals? Did any of you buy uh, Mech Assault or Mech Warrior sticks? Other than Rock Band or Guitar Hero stuff, what's your dumbest thing that you've ever bought? I've owned six Donkey Kongas. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> five is not <laughs> is enough. Is it six player? Is it a six player game? No, it's a four player game. But I thought two might break, so I wanted backups. <laughs> Wow. You're part of the problem. <laughs> I was thinking ahead. Am I? <laughs> uh, I had the power glove. I'm I'm an older guy, so I, I had the power glove going way back on NES, nice. and I I could never get it to work. I probably tried it like I kid you not, like a hundred times. You know, different configurations, hitting different buttons, and never could get it to go. You, and from that day, I've been dubious of of peripherals. Could you imagine what it would have been like if the internet had been around when the power glove came out? Because when the power glove came out, you were just a guy in your house trying to get the power glove to work. And you were like, oh, I guess I got a bum power glove because I don't know that every power glove doesn't work equally as much as the one I have because there's no Internet. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think I exchanged it like two or three times, too. And, you know, like connect kind of worked, right? Right. Like the power glove absolutely did not work. That was just a broken peripheral and they shipped it. I had a friend who had really? a Really? Because I saw a movie where a kid was good at any <laughs> game. <laughs> um, I, I invested in a, in a racing wheel for the 360 and uh, enjoyed that. But again, any of those things where if you don't have a dedicated room for it, you got to set it up and take it down and plug the foot pedal in and find a thing and have sort of a TV tray that I can attach it all to and then – Set it all up anytime I want to play a couple of rounds of driving. And it's like, ugh, it's just too much work. And I, why did I buy this? And uh, I'm just going to 
sell it. That's so I don't yeah. know who you'll be in the the pilot that uh, Ben and I are currently writing, Jeff. But I will do my darndest to make sure that you're the lead, just so you can afford your billionaire's house that I can then come visit with your VR room, your racing wheel room. I like it. <laughs> I want my VR room and my racing wheel room to be adjacent, so we can drive to our virtual reality. <laughs> um awesome all right so uh my my story of the week this week uh there's some interesting stuff to choose from but i have to go with this the story that i read about uh what riot games is doing with league of legends in trying to uh crack down on abusive players uh they're uh, introducing this system that is going to be much more immediate than ever before in analyzing abusive behavior and flagging stuff that's really, really bad and then immediately banning people so that bans can come down within 15 minutes of the end of a match where somebody was, you know, getting really, really abusive. Talking about, you know, homophobia, racism, sexism, death threats, excessive behavior. Um, I think this is great. I think this is – I think the internet needs this kind of a system in general. (laughs) Uh, If we can implement that on Twitter, that would be great. Okay, thanks. Bye. Um, But I think that – I applaud Riot for being serious about this. Evidently, the way that they're going to implement it is that uh, it is an automated system, but the the first time period where it is introduced, they're going to have human beings – analyzing everything in real time as much as possible so that they can, you know, oversee any kind of false flags or anything so that they don't ban people inappropriately, but they really can end this kind of behavior. As somebody who plays a lot of Heroes of the Storm and can get salty, I'm not proud of it, but I can get a little salty. I can I can be, uh, you know, frustrated by people, but I never go over the line into what this kind of behavior is talking about. I'm glad that there is a checks and balances system, and I want this kind of... I'm glad that a game of the size and player base of League of Legends is this serious about it and really wants to end this kind of stupid behavior. Thoughts? Yeah, I love that yeah. it's... Um, I love the idea behind it, and the fact that it's within 15 minutes is is pretty crazy. I mean, that's that's pretty fast. I wonder how many strikes you're going to need against you. You know, if you're going against a team... And they just end up hating you because you're really good. Yeah. And they start giving you some of those those fl- those false knocks. I mean, is that going to be it for you, or is it going to be a, like a cumulative thing where it's like over a set amount of you know five or six matches, something like that? Well, I'm hoping that what what this involves is actual uh, analysis of of chat logs, so that it's actually flagging specific terms. So it's not just somebody saying, "Hey, he said a nasty thing to me." It's actually going, "Oh yeah, look." you use X term and Y term and Z term and we don't allow that and you're done. Right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And I'm totally okay with it. If I would love the rules to be specified as clear as possible because in the NFL, they let some stuff go or pick your sport, right? But then there are times when, what the most recent video I think was Kobe, you know, yelling um, some pretty bad words and slurs and, and terms that was clearly caught on camera at a referee and they teed him up for it because you can't say that. And they have it outlined, the things you can't and can't do. And sometimes in the heat of the moment, if you just yell out like a F word or something, maybe that goes. But if you're sitting there just like berating someone with horrible offensive words, awesome. You don't need that. And people want esports to be sports. Yeah, you can't do that <laughs> in sports. You can't go up to someone and say, I'm going to kill your wife and kids and then play on, <laughs> you know. Right. So like get it out of the chat rooms too. Yeah. 
yeah, and I, I hope the system works. Um, you know, in the chat, we have uh, uh, Jack O saying that he loves the idea, but implementing it will be tricky. I hope it's not. I mean, I can understand if there's some gray area, but yeah, like you're saying, Christian, if, if they outline very specific rules of this kind of behavior, and I'm sure, you know, I don't know the Riot Games website, but I'm sure there is at some some place there, there is a, hey, this is stuff we don't allow. Um, and if, you know, if they stick to that and say, hey, we don't, we don't accept these kinds of slurs, these kinds of attacks, and we're going to be very specific about not letting people play when they do that. I, I applaud that. Um, kind of like Total Recall Technologies doing VR. I do love that <laughs> a game company called Riot Games is trying to have the most organized, uh, <laughs> yeah. clear yeah. and concise <laughs> rule set. <laughs> we at Anarchy Entertainment have a series of rules that everyone needs to abide by. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay, so there's some other stories that I find interesting. We got a reboot announcement trailer for Need for Speed. <laughs> Guys, a reboot. Why do you laugh at that? A full That's awesome. reboot. Because we don't want to have that that uh, pesky story that's been so convoluted <laughs> at this point. <laughs> we want to get re- we're gonna reboot. Um, what does that even mean, a reboot for Need for Speed? Andrew, do you have some <laughs> yeah, insight into Yeah, it makes no this? sense. Now that I think about it, it makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, I guess it means... It's not hey, like we... Fast and the Furious where there is fiction, right? right? Like, I guess there is some, but it's not connected between the games. They're all standalone. I I thought so. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even know what that even means in this context. I guess it's saying, hey, we're going to take a look at every system and look at it afresh, which is cool, I guess. Uh, the announcement trailer showed nighttime racing and uh, a full open world is what they what they promised. Nocturnal open world and immersive narrative, deep customization, urban car culture. Oh, man, that definitely sounds unlike every Need for Speed I've ever played. <laughs> Reboot. I don't know. I don't I don't mean to be snarky and cynical, but uh, I just don't understand this kind of messaging. Are you excited, Andrew, for for a, a fresh Need for Speed? Well, I'm excited because it's Ghost Games again, mm-hmm. and their last Need for Speed was phenomenal. You know, there are a lot of the X like uh, Burnout guys as well, uh, and I, I love that series. I'm not excited about the what was it immersive uh, narrative? Right, that's always kind of a red flag for for the Need for Speed games. You do not or like a reason the run? To, to make fun of them. But <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of the the driving and the the mechanics and stuff like that, Ghost is a phenomenal developer. Um, so maybe, maybe just giving them free reign, you know, like you don't have to worry about hot pursuit or the, you know, the, the police chases, just do the game you want to make. Maybe that's what it means. Christian, you're a, you're a racing car guy. And, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we can get Mark from marketing on the line to figure out, uh, what the deal is with this. But, uh, what, what's your take? Well, I mean, I'm going to be really disappointed because the cliffhanger ending of the last game. <laughs> yeah. I, There's no payoff. I just didn't, I just, hey, guys, sorry to interrupt. This is uh, this is Mark. You guys got a quick second? Oh, Jeff, thanks. I, Mark I, I Edding. Gotta, is it Mark Edding, everybody, from marketing? Um, I did, so glad. I did, He's I been have, a while I since have, you called I just, have, 
Yeah, a few pitches for the show. I know you guys have been calling it DLC, but I was thinking maybe rebooting it and just, you know, D period, L period, C period, because it's an acronym that stands for things and it keeps things fresh. And you guys are on episode 70 something, but let's just start it at episode one and start it fresh, you know, and give it a new listing, kind of like the need for speed. I don't know if you guys have paid attention to this, but this game is just need for speed. No subtitles, no colons, no connections to the prior games whatsoever. If you like driving games before, oh man, you ain't seen nothing yet because this is a driving i got nothing (laughs) (laughs) all right well as long as full reboot doesn't mean that i have to reboot my computer every time i want to start it that's uh i guess my only yeah i mean i don't i hate being snarky about this and i hate being cynical but it just feels like it's another need for speed game they're all they're all reboots right (laughs) What what reboot means, I think, is shorthand. It's kind of like this gen we're still calling things HD remasters, even though last gen games were in HD, unless you're talking about the Wii. Um, but what, I think what reboot means is shorthand for new engine, um, new not borrowing anything from the previous game you played. Instead of saying we're doing a most wanted, or you know they're not they don't have a, a category to put this one. This isn't a most wanted. This isn't the run. This isn't yeah. Um, whatever the other names they have. So it's just shorthand for, hey, it's going to be Need for Speed, but it's all new and check it out. And I think Reboot gets people talking about it in a way that the new Need for Speed doesn't. Are you guys excited about Nocturnal Open World? I mean, I- I've never been a huge <laughs> fan of, of the racing at night games. I, I prefer seeing where I'm going, but um, what do you guys think? Does that mean the whole thing's going to be at night? Or It certainly seems that way. That's how I read it. That's pretty weird. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like a, I mean, if I was developing the game, it'd be like, why, why would we limit it to just that? I mean, if it's accommodating the narrative for like the career mode, sure. But I mean, you think, you know, just, <laughs> we have a note from Reiner. Nice. Seeing the sun once would be nice. <laughs> There's a note from Reiner needs more day. <laughs> <laughs> just on the dry erase board. <laughs> How about day? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. In paint, you can't erase. <laughs> Um, oh, what else have we got here? Um, there's some, there's some E3 talk, so I guess, um, I mean, I guess we gotta do this. Oh, we are officially on that hype train for E3, people. The countdown is ticking. And we have uh, the schedule, full schedules of the press conferences. All the companies are lining up. Microsoft is saying, oh, we got a 90-minute press conference, but that's not even enough time to show you all the games, guys. We're going to have to cut out some games because there's so many games. And we're promising a uh, brand new IP, so that's kind of cool. But the story that really piques my interest is that Sony is going to simulcast its E3 press conference in movie theaters across the U.S. and Canada. It's going to be free. They're going to give out tickets until they're gone, I guess, uh, starting in two days on May 27th. And 80% of the theater capacity is going to be reserved for for these uh, free tickets. And then 20% of the theater is going to be held for waitless uh, admitted people that come to show up on first-come, first-served basis. So that's cool. You have to be 17 or older, so you can't, uh, can't be kids. But if I was not actually going to these things, I would totally go to a movie theater to watch the press conference. I think this is a really cool idea. I, Having been to these conferences, as all three of us have, um, I think 
a lot of the joy. It's it's nice to be sitting in your pajamas on those mornings and watch <laughs> it streamed. Yes, I agree. But the size of the screen, the the sound that they pump into those auditoriums and the live press conferences, it really does add to the experience. And I think you're going to get as close as you can to an equivalent in a big movie theater if if that's where you go. Uh, and do you think this is a cool idea? I think it's a great idea. You know, when I first heard about it, I was like, why would anyone do that? You know, when you just have your computer right there in front of you. But then I started thinking about just like kind of going out with friends to, you know, to see a movie in general and and just having that, you know, that kind of experience where you can sit and chat and, uh, you know, kind of poke them, you know, next to you and be like, hey, check that out. That's amazing. We got to get that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a cool idea. It gets the community together. You might meet some some people, you know, some gamers, fellow gamers that you didn't know lived in your area. Uh, yeah, I think it's it, it's a very cool idea. I don't know what the theater gets out of it, though, if the tickets are free. Popcorn sales, baby. No, Sony's renting the space. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, but they could still oh, get yeah, popcorn yeah. sales. That yeah, too. candy and popcorn. Yeah. Uh, Christian, are you, what, what's your take? Yeah, they've done it before. I think they did it for last year's E3 as well. Oh, did they? I didn't and, know that. Yeah, it's coming back. I don't know if they did it. For, I forget off the top of my head if they did it for E3 or something else, but I know that they have done this PlayStation experience uh, at theaters before, and the tickets were gobbled up and, like, the previous time Keeley, you know, there's like a special pre-show or whatever thing with with Keeley hosting. And I think it was last year's E3. And um, it's great. It, it's it's buying into the hype and being with like-minded people. And it's like watching a sports game at the stadium on the big screen at the Jumbotron when they're on a, on the road. And it's still super fun to do. And yeah, it's more convenient to do it at home. And this isn't right for everybody. But if you're able to get tickets and go, go because you'll get uh, free swag too. I think last time they did it, it was PSN cards and I think like a 20% coupon and then a shirt, something like that. I mean, it's, it, you're going to have a good time. So if you're able to go, go, go. Yeah. Do we know how many theaters this is going to be in? I don't think the list, the tickets are available on May 27th. And I don't know if they've posted the, they might have. They did, last time it was a pretty good chunk. They did better than uh, <laughs> the Nintendo World Championships at eight American cities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would do this. Uh, I, don't I would totally do this. I, you know, I think seeing it with a cranked sound on a big screen, I think that... It, it gets to the excitement, get your blood pumping, and I think it's cool that they're making it free too. They probably could charge people for it if they wanted to, and people would pay. But the fact that they're doing it for free, I think, is cool. Um, let's take a quick second before we move on and thank our first sponsor, which is Harry's. Oh, Christian, you and I have both used Harry's for the shaving because shaving can be such a pain in the butt uh, or the face, as the it depends on what you're shaving, I guess. Um, but uh, <laughs> Harry's is mostly made for faces and it's made to alleviate all of the annoyances of shaving your face, going to the store, having to go to the dude and say, Hey, can you unlock the case with the thing as, Oh oh, yeah, sure. Hang on one second. I got 14 people online. Okay. I'll wait. All right. Okay. Here's the blade and it costs a ridiculous amount of money and it's stupid and I have to bring it home. No, Harry's makes it easy. You do it from home. It's, on the internet, they send it directly to your house in a really cool, well-designed case. Uh, has everything you need. It's a superior shave. It's really high-quality blades. They have their own blade factory in Germany that they bought because the blades were up to the quality that they wanted. 
And it cuts out the middleman. And the cool thing is their starter kit is just 15 bucks, which includes a razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or foaming shave gel. And as an added bonus, you can get five bucks off your first purchase by using the promo code DLC. So all you have to do is type in that promo code DLC when you go to harrys.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. And then you'll get all of the month's needs for shaving for just 10 bucks. And you never have to leave your house. You don't have to go to CVS, which is this, I don't know, it's a wasteland of the saddest humans. Just stay home. Get it delivered right to you. Get really high-quality materials. Harry's got your back or your face. I keep saying you can shave whatever you want with Harry's. I'm just saying it's mainly made for your face. But backs also uh, can be shaved. Use our promo code DLC by going to harrys.com. Get your five bucks off. Let them know that you heard about it on our show. And uh, fix all your uh, hairy face problems with Harry's. Uh, all right, guys. A couple other stories I wanted to hit on. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about what Microsoft said. Uh, 90 minutes, tons of games. Game Informer probably has uh, inside loop on some of this stuff, which you probably can't tell us about, Andrew. But what uh, what's your feeling about... I mean, we're going to have our big E3 predictions episode coming up on June 8th, but we're not going to have you then, so why don't you give us what you think is going to happen? What, what do you think about the press conferences? Are, are you excited about one company in particular? What's your take? I'm excited for all of them, uh, even, you know, like the third parties as well, like Bethesda and, and Ubisoft. And, and the reason why, here's a little setup. You know, when when companies went into this generation, they were kind of fearful that maybe console was going away, everything was going mobile. And there was this period where there was some uncertainty with, are we going to put our eggs in the console basket, you know, make these big AAA games? I think now that we've seen, you know, after a couple of years, we've seen record numbers, you know, especially from PlayStation. Developers are back in, publishers are back in. And I think we're going to see that at this year's E3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of game announcements. You know, Microsoft saying there's a new IP. They're, they're really focused on first party. I think that that's going to uh, boil down to maybe some exclusive deals with other third parties as well. Like Tomb Raider was announced last year. I think we're going to see some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think this is going to be one of the biggest E3s. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. But, um, you know, just talking to publishers and stuff like that, I think I think everybody's kind of back in for console and, you know, not just console, but PC as well, but making these big AAA games. Yeah, it certainly seems like the this generation has has reached its maturization point and we should be seeing some of the promise fulfilled on what these games are going to look and feel like and i'm certainly hoping that we're not just going to see new numbered sequels but there is going to be excitement i'm of the opinion that this is going to be the year of vr and that everybody's going to come out buzzing about (laughs) vr uh, because that's what I'm buzzing on the way into it about. The year of VR, year seven, well, according to Jeff. I'm, I think this is the year. I mean, these are these things are the releases are imminent on these things. Uh, Andrew, if you had to pick one thing that you think people are going to come out buzzing about, whether it's one company, one particular console, one particular game, what, what do you think is going to be the talk of Oof. E3? Well, you're definitely right. There's going to be a lot of uh, VR stuff there. Uh, makes me want to set up a company where you're selling like these head condoms outside the convention center because uh, everybody's going to be wearing those head those, those headsets. This uh, crazy outbreak um, but, of ear uh, herpes. I, <laughs> the, right, ocular exactly. Herpes. Yeah. <laughs> one of our guys like wore one at a convention and came back and like had like these zits all across his forehead. It was oh, uh, no. 
it was nasty. But uh, to to the question, I would say I, I do think it's going to be the big AAA games. I think yes, I think a lot of them are going to be sequels, but I think there's going to be a lot of focus just on these 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 juggernauts, you know, coming back or you know a new IP, you know, being a huge AAA game. I think that's going to be the. I hope you know. I, I think that's what we'll see at this year's E3. It certainly seems like the game to beat going in is Fallout 4, even though we haven't had an official announcement of Fallout 4. It seems like it's a foregone conclusion that we're getting that game, and it seems like that's the one that's on everybody's radar as being the big dog. Uh, Christian, do you think that Fallout 4 is going to be the the big dog coming out, or do you think there's going to be a surprise? Yeah, I mean, I think the way Fallout 4 isn't the big dog coming out is by an awesome surprise and the totally out of left field awesome surprise uh, or not totally out of left field, but, you know, not uh, an easy prediction would be Red Dead 2 or or Bully 2 Mm. or Rockstar 2. Something that hasn't (laughs) been leaked, you know, probably won't be coming out for a year or two. But if Sony or Microsoft trots Rockstar out on stage with something that people have been clamoring for or even a new rock star what was that one they're doing for playstation 3 crime noir uh, uh, agent like, what agent agent yeah agent yeah, yeah. Uh, if that thing shows up or something i think that could that could be huge the hard part about e3 now where you don't have these like megaton people still try to throw the word around but so much leaks i mean star citizen you know a bunch of stuff leaked for that Everything, everything, everything leaks. Um, so if you can keep something secret that is a big triple A, that will steal the show. And I'm or just because we had so many fake leaks. I don't know why people make these, but you know, like those websites counting down. Mm-hmm. We had all those like the last two years for Fallout and, and, you know, Bethesda never said anything, but they are doing their own press conference. Uh, you have to think that has to be Todd Howard's team over at, at game studios there, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're working on, you, you'd assume that will be there and what other, uh, what other developers they have arcane, you know, they made dishonored, you know, what have they been working on since mm-hmm. then? Yeah. Um, we know doom, will you know, be that there. could be a new IP. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. We know, we know doom will be another big game at the Bethesda conference. I'm also excited about this PC centric press conference. I think uh, it's something that I've wanted for a long time. I know others have as well. I think that's ex- an exciting way to, to galvanize the PC community as far as making it feel like a real platform and having some interesting announcements there. I'll be interested to see how that works as far as, uh, you know, a coalition of, of interested parties working together to, to present the PC, which doesn't really have one head to organize everything under uh, how that works and who, who gets sort of the last word and how, how big announcements are handled. I think that'll be really interesting. Did you see Mad Max? (laughs) Yeah. Witness me! That's what everyone's going to say. There'll be a whole bunch of people yeah. just saying, Witness me! <laughs> then you got to show your game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Let it let it happen. Uh, Anarchy Entertainment <laughs> presents E3 press conference. There's a series of rules <laughs> that everyone must abide by. Um, <laughs> um, okay, let's... Uh, you, you brought up Star Citizen and its leak. Uh, we had 40 gigs of, of stuff leaked. Uh, uh, people comprising all of or uh, composing all of that stuff together making it into um, a, a giant ship that that was unannounced at this point a Bengal carrier this massive multi-pilot ship that uh, hasn't been announced yet but was was in these assets that someone basically stole I guess uh, and then a fan reconstituted them into what it will kind of look like in the cry engine 
that's interesting, I suppose, and we can talk about that. But I'm more interested in talking about Star Citizen as a thing because I think, especially juxtaposed with what E3 is now, it seems to me that Star Citizen really is the flagship title for a different kind of game development. And, mm-hmm. it, well, let's just stop there. And, and let me hear what you think about it, uh, Andrew. You, you, you agreed right there. Well, for, for this game to have a leak, it really doesn't matter, right? They're, right. they're so open with the community and you're seeing everything kind of happen uh, before your eyes. And I think that's really cool. You know, yes, having that kind of access is is different and and you know maybe a lot of publishers are looking at this being dangerous you know especially if you're making a FPS that's competing against someone else's but i think it's proven to this point that it works uh, i guess we'll have to see if the game ever comes out that's the big question <laughs> yeah uh and what their monthly burn is and if they're still making you know keeping up with that uh but yeah i do think it is a a kind of a game changer and especially when you have a really cool idea like this like you know with the X-wing i don't know how Lucasfilm and, and LucasArts ever let X-Wing not be a yearly series. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems like that would have just been a slam dunk for like selling like 5 million copies every year. Yeah. But uh, we haven't had a really, really great, you know, uh, space, space game like this in a long time. And uh, turning it over to the community, I think, I think was a brilliant idea. And, uh, you know, we've seen how it's paid off so far. And again, we just, it just needs to come out. You know, that, that, that'll be the point where you, you start seeing other publishers maybe looking at it. Mm-hmm. as as a viable option for how they're going to present their game. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting to me. You know, we we have in one one hand uh, we're about to have all these press conferences where all these secret things are going to be revealed and all these games you know you're about to see and it's sort of like a you know, it's a presentation of a product where Star Citizen is almost like a presentation of an idea that we want you to get on board with and it's going to evolve over time and maybe it's this and maybe it's that and now there's on foot first person shooter parts too and it i think it's a it's a way of game development that we haven't had previously and and we're seeing more with you know steam greenlight and stuff for for smaller games but i think these big triple a games it might be interesting to see if if a company embraces the idea of leaks or you know not leaks but just being completely open and having the community involved every step of the way. I've been an advocate for the opposite, which is don't tell me about a game until it's almost ready to come out and then bombard me and then it'll be out in, you know, two months and, oh my gosh, I don't have to wait, you know, I don't have to have the division where it's like, oh, it's the third year, it's at E3, okay. But Maybe the other hand is is equally fun because, as I said last week, I've been getting on this bandwagon of, uh, you know, Heroes of the Storm and and other Steam Greenlight games where it's like it's fun watching the evolution process and having it be this conversation with the developers where I get to have input, I get to play the game in various stages and see how the player base as a whole gets to influence what is put in. Um, so I think it's two very different philosophies that are at play right now. And it's interesting to see where the industry is going to go with it. And I wonder how long, you know, people will stay vested with it. You know, if you're going on year six of development or something like that, is it still going to be fun for these people like, you know, helping out and, and feeling like they have a hand in it or will they be like, well, I'll be back when you finally finish it. You know, yeah. like, yeah. um, I think there, you have to kind of have some kind of reasonable outline going forward. And I don't think star citizen has that yet. It seems like it just keeps growing and growing and growing. 
uh, I wonder where it ends. That that's that's what I want to see. I just want to see that thing come out and see if it is like you know a game changer or not. Right. No, I completely agree. It's definitely uh, feature creep the game at this point, <laughs> uh, but but in an exciting way, a very exciting way. Uh, anything to add, Christian? Well, just going back to the leak part. I mean, who knows if this is the accuracy of this? Where I read about it was on Destructoid, and apparently, you know, a community manager accidentally released part of a URL that linked to CryEngine assets, but then a fan guessed the rest of the URL and managed to download assets before. Um, Cloud Imperium games took the link down and then they took those assets they had and reconstructed them in a different version of the cry engine to get this ship together. So the ship you're seeing isn't necessarily, you know, a representation of how the graphics will look in Star Engine, uh, Star Star Engine, Star Citizen. But I think something like that, aside from the, the poor community manager who accidentally, you know, released this link without meaning to, but where like you get a little piece and then you're able to find it and tinker with it and take this thing and you got to put it in this other thing to get this thing out. And then when you get this thing out, it's this huge ship that this game that's been very open with everything that they haven't announced yet. I mean, that must have been an awesome moment for the person or the people that put that thing together. Mm-hmm. And I think that feels cool versus uh, I'm, you know, beta testing a game and I brought a flash drive, flash drive to work and then uploaded it on YouTube and got my console banned, <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it, just the, the the amount of work involved, or the amount of ingenuity required, because it's still just as nefarious, I would say, if not more so. Eh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I agree. I think it's when you get part of a link. It's kind of. I mean, some game companies do this on purpose as a hunt for the truth or whatever. Halo's calling theirs, where they get you on this goose ch- goose goose hunt, goose chase, goose chase, and this is someone tinkering around with that. I mean, if it's online publicly accessible and you just need to know the url like if i have a youtube video of, of me singing my daughter happy birthday wearing a bird costume that's like hyper embarrassing which i don't but now i think about it i should but it's a <laughs> private or like a hidden link but someone guesses the youtube url for it and watches it you know shame on me <laughs> you know <laughs> right. i don't have that as a public link yeah you shouldn't just you shouldn't name your website you know mesh meshes slash secret or whatever you know like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> secret assets use secret. this cry engine to see them <laughs> secret assets.com slash picks or you know whatever how how do you guys uh andrew handle <laughs> that stuff you've had covers leaked you've had things oh leaked. yeah it like, sucks yeah how it's big the- of a, a punch to the crotch is that and how much of that is doing business today yeah we actually have these big balls under our desks that will actually punch you in the balls <laughs> like when, when you it should get those so it's, it's terrible so you do everything you can to avoid it uh, I would say it's not so detrimental to like, you know, number of sales sold or anything like that or business, but just the, the surprise factor is gone. Then that's the thing that you like the most about revealing a cover is we have a game no one's ever seen before. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, an hour or a day before it's on Kotaku that, that just kills you because mm. you've been keeping it secret so long yeah. and somehow it leaked like on a Russian site or something like that. Um, and that's that's a tricky thing, you know, with print is you're, you know, we have, you know, millions and millions of these magazines going out and, you know, someone might end up getting one early or something like that. You just never know how it's going to end up working. So we've over time, over 20 years have kind of figured out a pattern, you know, or a, a routine that we know we're going to be ahead of the issue actually getting out there when we announce it. But sometimes it just something happens, you know, it, the company you're working with might leak it or a retailer might leak it or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, it's frustrating, but so satisfying and so much fun when it when it works. 
Cool. Um, all right, guys, let's move on. Oh, uh, you know what? First, I do have to thank our second sponsor, and that is MetaCDN. Uh, they uh, are a new sponsor we have never had before, and MetaCDN is uh, gives you enterprise-level streaming, live streaming, but they have it at an entry-level price. It's MetaCDN's super-fast network, so you can stream crisp HD video, and their global, uh, excuse me, global coverage of broadcast nodes and publishing points ensures that MetaCDN streams have very low latency, which is great. This allows you to engage with your user base in real time. Their players are not only fully customizable, but completely unbranded and mobile compatible. What happens if you have an increase in viewers in one month? You don't have to worry. Your leftover credits are rolled over into the next month. MetaCDN cares about the prediction, uh, excuse me, protection of your content, so they give you the power to restrict your live streams to certain website domains. And you can also serve pre-recorded videos through their content delivery network with no buffering. On top of all that, they give you detailed analytics and just so much more. If you visit metacdn.com slash 5x5 and use the code 5x5, you get a 10% discount for life. That's pretty great. Not just on your first order, for life. Metacdn, that's M-E-T like Tom, A-C-D-N.com slash 5x5 and use that promo code Five by five for a ten percent discount. All right, let's move on to the playlist. Well, the playlist is usually where we talk about what we've been playing, and we will do that. But I think we're also going to be talking about what Andrew hasn't been playing. Uh, do I have to? <laughs> well, actually, I got several <sighs> tweets today uh, when when I announced that you were going to be on, saying, "Don't ask him about The Witcher. Don't ask him about The Witcher." <laughs> um, so you've had some uh, some trying times with The Witcher Three. I have, uh, and I first and foremost, let me just preface it this way: I love the game. I think it's amazing what I've played of it. Like uh, Kimberly Wallace, our critic here who reviewed it, she gave it a nine seven five out of ten. Wow. I don't know if I'd give it at that you know that high of a uh, praise at this point i'm still going through it but it is a really immersive and uh the the emergent stories that come from it are awesome uh but and this is a big but my saves are being deleted i am running into bugs where the game locks up and then like i have to quit out of it completely i'm playing on xbox one this is the only version that it's really 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 happening to mm-hmm. people are having problems with other versions but not this one in particular, but the game locks up. I have to quit out to the dashboard. And <laughs> I kid you not, turn off my system and then unplug it. Stare at the power brick. You know, your big Xbox One power brick for two minutes. <laughs> Sacrifice it back goat. in. Wait until... <laughs> this is this is what CD Projekt Red told me to do. Like, these are their instructions to, to fixing this bug or getting around it. Because if you don't... covers of Game Informer. <laughs> right? Uh, if you don't do this, when you hit when you go to the title screen of the game and it says press any button to continue, when you hit that, it just locks up on please wait. Oh, so you can't even get to your save files. You can't get to the load screen or anything like that. Uh, so you got to sit here and wait until the power brick is ready to go. I don't know what it's doing, but you just got to sit there and wait. <laughs> and then you plug it back in and then you can start playing again. But here's another big but. There is the chance that all your progress as you're going it's not saving. 
So, you know, the auto saves aren't working. And when you go to hit, do the manual save, it will give you like a, you cannot save right now message. Like you usually see when you're on mission or if monsters are nearby, right? Wow. Um, but for whatever reason, it, it just won't save. So I've lost hours and hours and hours uh, trying to play this game. And I, I wrote an editorial on, on our website that was just like, I'm done until they fix this. Yeah. I'm not going to be sitting here playing this weird game where I'm looking at my power brick. Like, I, I just wonder, and I don't know, this is just welcome to the club one, unfortunately. Not for Witcher, but I've had uh, game, game save delete bugs for um, Ori, for Modern or Advanced Warfare, and then eventually an Xbox One brick. And I, I've heard enough stories with Xbox One stuff, especially for multi-platform games, even if it's just PC and Xbox, where I does this does the system have a, a memory leak somewhere in it, or is it over caching? And this is layman's term, so uh, programmers, I, I realize this is going to sound atrocious to you, but like st- trying to store too much in the system memory, or do you have to? It's not clearing cache fast enough to keep up with things because I just feel like recently. Xbox One versions of games have had these problems, and I would love if you know CD Projekt Red could say why they think this is happening. Because I don't think they didn't test it as well as the other versions. Like, what about the code in this version of the game is doing this? And it, it's so frustrating when it happens to you. But I think so fascinating from like a developer standpoint. Is are these all unique things, or is there something common about the system itself that's causing these problems? Yeah, some people are saying that if you turn off the what is it? Resume play functionality and make sure you always quit out of the game uh, after you're playing it. It should help you, but I've I've done these things and it hasn't helped me. Um, so we'll have to see. Obviously, CD Projekt, the instructions they gave me were very specific. Uh, so I'm I'm guessing they're looking elsewhere. They are trying to work out a fix on this one. Uh, and then I, you know you have people complaining to me like you know or complaining about me saying like, well, it's a big open world game. You should be saving every minute or every five minutes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're, and it's, it's like blame the victim, right? And it, and I get that. Yes, I do get that. Like, if I finish a mission, I should save. But at the same time, I want to be immersed where I'm not thinking about that, right? Yeah. And the game is designed in a way where they do have these auto saves, and giving you the option to manual save when you want. I don't want to like pick, you know, pick a raspberry bush in the game and then like immediately start thinking, oh, I better save, <laughs> like. Or, you know, talk to someone in the village. Oh, I don't want to do that again. I better save. Like, that's not the way I want to play it. So that's why I've shelved it until they fix it. It's just, I want to play it the way it's intended. I don't want this, you know, this nagging thing in the back of my head, like, save, save, save. Like, that's that's not the way you should play this game. And hopefully they get the fix out there soon. Yeah, it sounds like it's not going to be this week that there will be a uh, console update, but uh, hopefully very soon. Maybe the Xbox One version is just the super hardcore mode. It's like you have to play it in one sitting. <laughs> um, never die. Never die. Um, uh, it, it, you know, it's going to happen when it's at e, when I'm at E3. I know right. it'll be like, hey, we got this. You, you can't play it, but, you know, your game should be ready to go. And then I'll just be thinking about that the whole time when I'm at E3. That's how these things go. It's frustrating, especially since CD Projekt Red made such a big deal, you know, in the lead up to release about how they respect the players and they didn't want to release a buggy game. And and for the most part, a game of this size and scope, I think they've done a adequate job of there not being these weird in-game bugs. We At least we haven't heard about many, but these are gigantic game breaker kind of frustration bugs that uh, that are also terrible. So, 
you know, it's yeah. It's I miss the days of when the dragons were just flying backwards in yeah, Skyrim. Right. Like I could tolerate that. That was actually kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll talk to the guy who just is is eyeballs hanging in the air in Assassin's Creed. I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, but okay. So what what you did play of The Witcher? Uh, let's talk about the game as a game. Um, what's your what's your take on that? Yeah, it, I mean. It is kind of a, you know, I brought up Skyrim. It, it does kind of feel like a little bit of a a love letter to that in, in, to a degree. I know it's it's a continuation of the series and it's, you know, you're you're playing this badass character who has like Jedi-like powers. You know, he can manipulate people's minds and, and do stuff like that and, you know, shoot fire out of his hands. He's, he's an awesome character, but it is about kind of going out into the world and kind of creating your own stories as much it is, as it is as continuing this character's story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things I've done in this game, it, it just absolutely ridiculous and fun. And it, to the point where, you know, you just don't want to stop playing. Like you just want to stay in this world and keep leveling and seeing this lore that they've laid out, uh, that they've laid out like CD project red. I don't think they've gotten enough credit, um, from critics on just how great the writing is in this game. I agree. Uh, it's, you know, just, there was a side story where I was talking to this guy that was, uh, uh, going to give me information on, on someone I was trying to track down. Yeah, but before I do it, he would do it. He told me to go find his goat for him. <laughs> yeah. And this guy, this guy is like, he's old and frail and it looks like he's about ready to fall over dead. But I was like, okay, I'll go find your goat. So he gives me a bell. So I, I'm out, out in the woods, like ringing this bell. I'm this badass witcher guy <laughs> and I'm out in the woods ringing this bell, looking for, for a goat. Uh, and it's just little things like that. You know, it's like, I, I talked to my friends about it and they're like, no, I have no idea where you did this. Like, I'm <laughs> over here in this section of the world. You're over there chasing goats. Cool. Have fun. Uh, but that's the, the kind of thing I like about it. And the thing I like about like Bethesda Game Studios games is just these stories that you can, you have ownership over to a degree, right? Like, yeah. you're doing them different than other people. Uh, and this game really kind of hits home with that in a really great way. Yeah, I have another example I'd like to share. It's from an early part of the game, um, very early part of the game. So, I guess it's maybe considered a spoiler, but I, I, I'll talk in general terms, so I don't think it really is a big spoiler. But there was um, there was a, a guy on the side of the road who said, hey, go get this steel lockbox for me in the woods, or in the swamp, actually. Uh, and uh, I did. I went out. I found the, the thing. I fought some drowners, and I found a steel lockbox, and uh, I brought it to him, and he was like, awesome. Thank you so much. Schwong. Experience points. Gold. Well done. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's interesting, but that felt too easy. So I loaded my right. save game and I went back and then I looked around in the swamp a little more and I found evidence of some shenanigans in the swamp and I found a st- lockbox again and I went back to him and then I had the option to like say, "Hey, what about these shenanigans in the in the swamp?" And then he he was like, um, yeah, no, it's, it's cool, dude. Don't, don't worry about the shenanigans. And, and I pressed him on it and then it turned into this cool, like chase sequence on horseback where I had to like chase this dude down and cause he bolted. And then I had several options of how to deal with him. Do I, do I turn him into the authorities or do I, you know, let him go? And, and I was like, I would have missed all of that without any n- knowledge that it was even possible, but there was something in the back of my head that was like, this was too easy. But I just love the fact that in a game of this complexity and size and scope, they allow that amount of content to be just thrown to the side. If you didn't do the work to find it, you know, it, 
it, it it's right. a perfectly legitimate way to play through. You still got your experience points. You still finished the quest. You did everything you needed to do. It just for you, the story went this way. And I love games that are like that. Yeah, and you know, like not having that option there to begin with, the shenanigans as 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 you call it, like that's not even showing up in in your options. You know, like right. while you're talking to that guy until you discover it. That's really cool. And then the goat thing, which uh, people in your chat are saying is is maybe critical path. Um, but you don't have the ch- you don't have to do it. Like you could tell the guy no. Like I'm not going to go find your goat. Right. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's that level of choice that's cool. It's you know, like I love the Mass Effect games, but it's always like everything you're doing is so big in terms of scale and scope for the universe and the story. But just having these little things that you can stumble upon and maybe never ever have to see it is very cool. It gives it a little bit more life than, than the other games out there in the genre. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been having a hard time, um, not investigating every single question mark on the, the map, you know, cause these massive maps with these, you get these undiscovered locations scattered around your map and I'm like, well, I have to go to every single one. Um, because that's how I am. But somebody was telling me, I didn't even realize this, in the options, you can turn off those question marks so that you uh-huh. just encounter places. And it, it's just you're exploring and you just stumble upon things rather than I'm going to walk to the next question mark, uh, which I think is really, really cool that they allow that level of of exploration as well in the game. Uh, because the, the maps are massive and they're varied and there's all kinds of cool stuff. But I find myself going node to node to like, I need to complete every section of this area. Um so that's a little tip. And the the way the world the way the world is designed is a little different too. Like Skyrim, like I believe the world kind of leveled with your character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the enemies were kind of, you know, of equal strength as you as you went into different areas. But this game it, it's it seems like it's more kind of MMO-esque in terms of yeah. yes, it's one big open world, but there's you might run into a pocket of, of enemies that are way harder than than then you you can tackle at that point, so you just kind of back away from that area, and, but uh, I also, which I think adds some drama to the exploration. For sure, yeah. But I also feel like I I find myself taking on enemies that are much higher level than I am, uh, because I think I think that the combat system is flexible enough to be, uh, you know, skill based enough that you can you can take down enemies that are that are higher level than you. There are certain enemies that are just like going to be a skull, you know, they'll say a skull and crossbones underneath them that I'm like, eh, I'm not going to try. But I think that there's a, there's enough there that you can actually, you know, there's so many systems with the bombs and the, all the alchemy in the game and all that stuff and the magic system and, and the fighting system itself is pretty deep. I think I'm finding mm-hmm. it to be really fun to try to take on enemies that might be a little harder than, than are recommended at that given time. I've avoided that because I'm playing on the second highest difficulty level. Ooh. And it's, I mean, you can get torn to shreds like nobody's business. But I, I think that does make it even more exciting in terms of going, like maybe an enemy's like two levels ahead of you. And it's like, oh man, yeah, I better save. And then you try to save and it doesn't work. And then you just, <laughs> and you just like turn I off your system and start crying. <laughs> um, a lot of people in the chat right now are comparing the game to Dragon Age Inquisition. I think that's a natural comp- comparison because it, it just came <laughs> out. It was the last gigantic, uh, high-quality AAA role-playing game. I loved Dragon Age Inquisition, and I think this game is is different. I think one of the things that Witcher does better than Dragon Age and showcases why uh, the storytelling in The Witcher just feels better to me is... 
while Dragon Age will get you in, you know, it'll do cutscenes most of the time when you're talking to uh, random side quest characters or whatever, it just stays in engine and the little lips are animated, but you're just staying there in your, your normal uh, view behind your know, camera behind the character. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that every single time you engage with a, a, a quest character or any, any point in the, in the Witcher, it goes into a cinematic cutscene. It feels more like Red Dead Redemption or, or GTA in that way. And I think that it really adds something to the feel of it being cinematic, to the feel of it being an epic storyline where I'm not just like, oh, you're unimportant because the game didn't pop out of, you know, the natural engine to, to tell me what you're saying. And I also think it's the narrative is a little easier to follow since it is just mostly focused on 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 the one character. Whereas in in Dragon Age, you know, you're balancing what, how big was that party? Like eight characters, something like that. Yeah, it was more almost like the Avengers, right? Like it's like they all <laughs> got to get screen time. They need their stories to be completed, and you got to kind of juggle all these these balls at the same time. Of okay, who's doing what? You know, where's this guy at? Um, yeah, I think they were they were able to tailor a little bit more. Uh, fluid narrative just just by focusing on the one character and then you know the stuff unfolding around him yeah i wish they had i I love the idea of a of a game series with the same lead character a role-playing game series with the same lead character from game to game who you know is is starts out as a badass and just gets more badass and i think it would have been cool if they had started the witcher at like he starts at level 30 or whatever you know and then you go up from there and the game can treat it like a level one but you just realize he's already leveled i think that would have been a neat a neat, that would have been cool. Yeah. I wanted that from God of War. You know, they yeah. always like nerf all of his powers at the beginning. It's like, oh, just let him have everything and go. Right. You know, just give him new stuff. I, I thought that'd be cool. But yeah, it's, it never happens. You always see those the sequels like steal everything away from the character and then you got to get it again. Yeah. My only big complaints, I think, so far with The Witcher, because I haven't had those save, thank, thankfully, those save problems. Uh, my big complaints are, I think the inventory system is unnecessarily cluttered and clunky and uh, I find myself paging way more through things that I don't need just to find the one little thing that I do need and I think that whole UI system could have been better designed and clearer and well, streamlined yeah the font size is ridiculously small yeah like it's on console especially I don't know what system you're playing on but on on the console version it's like you know, I have a decent sized TV, but I'm still find myself leaning forward yeah. more than I ever do in a game just to read the small font on the bottom yeah, like, that'd be nice if they had bumped that up. That is exactly what I started playing on PS4 and I moved over to PC because I didn't want, I felt like I needed to be closer to my screen. And people were telling me that on PS4 you can actually do a system-wide uh, font increase so that they may be able to mitigate that a little bit. But yeah, I just definitely felt like it, it, the 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 stuff I'm looking at is just not clear enough on a giant TV, even on a giant TV, but farther back. Um, they say they are patching that as well. Like that is a, a known issue and they're working on for consoles. How's your PC to PS4 experience? Are you running? Are you able to run it 60 frames on ultra? Does it, yeah, how sweet dude. is that ponytail? So sweet. It bobs up and down and he's riding on his horse. <laughs> oh, so sweet. His, his facial hair majestically growing and then shaved but, but off. For realio though, now that you've spent enough time <laughs> with it, like, is it, is it blowing you away in a graphical difference or is it just, this is better? It's. It, I think the the console versions uh, um, with the current gen consoles are absolutely adequate. They're absolutely playable and they look great. I I don't think you're. It's a huge step down at all. In fact, I've been bumping 
up and back from high settings on PC to ultra settings on PC. And there really isn't that much difference. Uh, you know, it's not a drastic difference. And I'm I'm guessing the consoles are somewhere in the high PC range of settings. Um, so I don't. I, I really don't think you're slumming it if you're on a console version, other than the fact that you can't save a game on an Xbox One. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, on the P, I, I just think it it feels more like a PC game. I'm really really excited because the Witcher games traditionally have had a lot of modder support and a lot of modders get really excited about what they can do to these games. And I think that will be no different with Witcher three. So I'm, I'm excited about that for the PC version. Um, and like, like these inventory UI issues, I bet there's a modder who's going to come up with sorting options and come up with tabs and stuff that they should have done. But on the PC, we'll be able to have all that. So, so that's another reason I'm excited about playing it on the PC, but I just like sitting a little closer, reading that text a little easier and, you know, having that sitting forward experience rather than the sitting back one. Um, I also really dig the, the, the systems. I, I like the upgrade stuff with the mutagens. That's all new in this game. And I, I think that's really mm-hmm. a, a cool way, the, the way that mutagens give you bonuses and you have to earn the mutagens from killing things. And, and then it sort of, it dictates what, where you want to spend points, uh, which I think is a really wonderful way to motivate the, you know, putting points into a sp- particular skill tree because it's, you know, the, a lot of these games, it's just like, well, what sounds good to you instead of, oh, well, there's actually a reason to invest in these points in this way because I have this particular mutagen that will give me a bonus. I think that's cool. Where yeah, do you guys I think come it's down. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, it's really clearly laid out, too. Yeah. Um, so, you know what you're, you're investing in, you know what you're getting, you know, even with that one skill point. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a brilliant system. Go ahead, Christian. So I was going to ask, where do you guys come down on Witcher Vision? Is this a welcome addition to the game and series? Or is this, um, what was the <laughs> the screen cap of, um, oh man, there was some game release last year. It was like made as a modern game. And it was, you know, go here, checkpoint here, do this here, press A to win. Is that the Witcher succumbing to those pressures? Or is it a, a fun addition to the gameplay? Uh, I think it's a, an awesome addition because it's so heavily sewn into the narrative. Yes, you know, from a visual standpoint or the gameplay perspective, there's you're not really doing much. You're just going over to the little glowy bit or following the the trail, and and that's all you do. But he's, you know, he's he's one of those characters that talks to himself out loud. So you're always getting this this narrative as he's looking at bodies or the the, the footprints in the in the sand, uh, and it, I think that just adds to the to the story they're telling. I think it's cool. I agree. I, I think it's it's implemented really smartly. It, it does feel like it feels like you're investigating. It feels like you're tracking. It feels like you're hunting down something and getting closer and putting things together. And then going back to the example that I cited earlier, I like the fact that like I if I didn't investigate that swamp thoroughly, I missed stuff and my my adventure changed as a result. It's not a binary system of. I mean, sometimes it is. But it's often not a binary system of, did you find this? Then you can progress. You know, it's like, well, you know, investigate more or less and find more or less information. And that results in more or less, you know, information going forward. I think that's really cool. Um, well, anything else is on your playlist, Andrew, right now? Since you're not playing. Uh, well, that's not on my playlist. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's true. Uh, no, you know, in, in this time I've, it's like, okay, I cleared my plate so I could play just Witcher and, and sink as much time as, as I could into it. So right now I'm going back on 
to my back catalog of what I missed last year or what I didn't complete last year. And one I'm go- I've gone back to is Alien Isolation. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this game a bunch on the show, but um, I wasn't so into it for like the first five or six hours. I was like, okay, it's intense. This battle between Ripley and the alien is, or the xenomorph is, is very cool, but it gets old, right? Mm-hmm. But a- I don't know, just going back to it, I started playing again and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but there's kind of a interlude in the middle of the game that is really cool uh, fan service uh, for people that like the the films. And from that point on, it, it really just, it's like, it really gains momentum and I've been loving it. Like I've been playing it nonstop now and can't wait to see where it goes next because they are throwing a lot of curveballs at me, um, you know, both with the story and uh, the action, which I didn't, you know, going into it, didn't anticipate because all I heard was just you against the alien. You can't kill the alien too bad. Right. Yeah. But I don't there's think there's I, some cool stuff there. I don't think I got past that initial five hour because uh, I, I I share that feeling from that first. I just didn't push myself through it. Uh, I was like, I kind of am done. I just don't like the feeling of this game. I don't. It makes me it gives me anxiety, and I don't. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> to feel that way. And I'm going to move on to something else. But well, uh, the one thing I'll say is, without a spoiler, is you get a flamethrower, and that's kind of a a game changer. Mm-hmm. Whereas if the alien's running at you, you just spray it with the fire, and and he'll go to the vents. Uh, so you do start to feel a little bit more powerful in that regard, but what they do with the world or the, you know, the ship you're on and I, I just don't want to give it away. There's, there's some cool twists in there that I did not anticipate and I'm surprised people didn't leak. Very cool. Uh, anything else? Uh, that's it right now. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's the only one I've, I've been working on. And then obviously just looking at the Witcher box longingly and <laughs> wishing it would work for me. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a great box. It's a great, excellent, high quality box. Uh, Christian, what about you? What's on your playlist? So it came out, uh, man, I don't remember exactly when it's been out for a while, but it just got updated and bumped up in the iTunes games chart and it's Marvel contest of champions. So it's on iOS. It might be on Android as well. It's my own ignorance for not owning any of those phones or tablets for not knowing have you are either of you familiar with this game at all, or should I do a very quick broad overview? Do that. Is this the one that's kind of a brawler? It is. So okay. It yeah, is, I've been playing that a little. It's an action RPG wrapper over a the game most people know, Infinity Blade esque type brawler, or more specifically, a Mortal Kombat touch style brawler where it's not you're not swiping on the screen the way you do an Infinity Blade. But it's, you know, not they're not trying to map digital buttons and a D-pad onto the touch screen. It's the right side of the screen. I think it's tap for light, swipe for medium, hold for heavy. Left side of the screen is hold for block, swipe for dash, and then you build up a special meter. And for an iOS game, the, the characters look great. It's large character models you're fighting. It's, you know, it's not Street Fighter, right? <laughs> it's not Mortal Kombat X, but... For a free game, if you have a little bit of downtime, it's fun to go in and play and say, oh, look, I'm Wolverine. And it's got a really dumb story (laughs) wrapped over it where the collector has all these guys and crystals and he's making them fight and you have to do this thing. Um, But it is, I mean, it is a free-to-play game in 
the bad sense of the word, right? Where you can get in and, and play and do whatever, but it is constantly hitting you over the head with things to spend your money on and they're random unlocks for a character. Get this crystal to get this guy. You'll get a two to a five level star character. Oh, you only got a two. Well, 20 bucks is just one more thing. And they're, you know, all the hooks that these games have, check in every four hours to get your four hour crystal. And every day you get a new crystal that might be a guy anyway. And I find stuff like that. I guess I'm just, uh, you know, I'm I'm Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. I'm just too old for this stuff. <laughs> I, I enjoy the game a, a lot for like a phone. I'm at the doctor's office. I'm waiting for the bus. Like I'll be Wolverine and beat some stuff up for a second. And there's a little bit of strategy to it. It's not just mash, mash, mash. You have to, you know, like a punch out or infinity blade. You look for the openings in your character. Um, but maybe because I don't play tons of these free to play games, I'm not aware that this is how they are. But I feel like the RPG-ish element on this is overly complicated to trick you into spending money because I'm a smart dude. You know, I graduated uh, at the top of my class in law school. I've managed to do okay with, with, with things that I've done, both academics and street smarts. But I think this game has three different types of currencies. You get <laughs> some for one, not for the other. It's never explained. But if you pay 50 bucks, that's cool. <laughs> it's just like... I don't know. I don't understand. I feel like they're trying to trick you yes. to spend money. Yes. And then you realize all you bought are power-ups and not characters. And that turns me into the Hulk and the thing I smash is my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't the, know. Uh, the game I that I've been playing actually was, or tr- checked out, was called Marvel Future Fight. And oh. that one's kind of like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance, like a bad version of that. But I urge everyone to check it out because um, just do the tutorial, which which will take you like 15 minutes. But one of the things that comes up is it teaches you about autoplay, which is this big button on the bottom of the screen. And you just click it and the game just plays itself. <laughs> so I did that. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then I had like some people that were kind of involved with the game. And they're like, yep. That that happened. And I was like, wow, I have not seen that in a game. It just plays itself. So and convenient. then so I just turned it off at that point. <laughs> so I was convenient. like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to explore this. And I think it has like five currencies in it, too. Like, Do you no want to play down. a game, but you don't have time to play a game? Have the game but play still itself. Spend money. It, it plays in your pocket. <laughs> uh, all the fun of a game without having to play it. Uh, and it's like while while uh, Hearthstone and you know League or Dota and these types of games are free to play games too. It's just nice to see that style of game where I feel like they're making money still, but it's mm-hmm. just not so intrusive with how they're asking for it. And it's not as if you buy this card pack and then there's an asterisk and what the the game defines as a card pack is actually a power up for your card. I mean, it's it's like that level of trickery. Like get a get a character crystal, but what a character crystal does is it powers up a character you might already have, not a new character. It's just I don't. And I, then the other side of me, and again, listeners, you know, uh, tweet at me or, or email the show with your feedback on this because I, I really want to know. Like I just get frustrated and I delete the game. I'm curious who are the, not even the whale, but like the 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 the, the dolphin, the smaller thing that's supporting <laughs> this game. Who's the person that's like? you know what, I am having fun with this. It is frustrating, but I guess I'll spend $40. Like, what pushes you over the edge to spend money on this type of game? But enough people must be doing it because they keep making them. That's what I I don't understand that mindset. I understand buying a new pack of cards 
I understand buying a new character. I don't understand in this traditional free-to-play, um, what I would call crappy for games model, why you do this instead of just downloading a different free-to-play game to keep you entertained before the movie starts. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that either. Um, I definitely have spent money on Bling in my, in my Heroes of the Storm. I got skins get wins, so I, I pay for skins. But um, See, that stuff has value. Yeah. Like the cards in Hearthstone have value. Like I feel like I'm getting something when I put my money in there, right? Yeah. Whereas if I'm like feeding, you know, a Smurf village berries for, for an hour, it just, you know, well, why would I do that? I just think it spends, it, it speaks more to human psychology than it does to anything else. It's, it's, we, you, you, we took something away from you, but you can have it back. All you have to do is have this nominal fee. It's like nothing. Oh, I can have it back. Okay. I'll do it. I don't know. It's more psychology than it's compulsion. It's compulsion. Yeah. I, get, I don't know. Anyway, that's that's where I kind of end on all these games is I'm like, well, this I, I had fun with it. I recommend if you can control your addiction urges, I recommend checking it out and playing with it for an hour, but just expect to hit that frustration level and then delete it. Delete that game and find the next one because that's all we're doing, right? Our society is so weird where we've created things to entertain us while we wait for the thing that's supposed to entertain us <laughs> that we're watching because our society has developed in a way that we don't need to spend the majority of our time doing anything to survive. Exactly. <laughs> like, and I can't be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. And by the way, you know, new podcast every week that you can listen to while you're playing this. I, I, I know that we're contributing to this and I love doing it, but man, yeah. what a crazy, crazy world we're in. Pay me Wacky $5 world. and I'll finish that thought. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, um, I've been playing a lot of The Witcher. You heard me talk about it. Uh, and I'm going to use my, my playlist time to actually do a story of glory because it's about Heroes of the Storm, uh, which went into open beta this week. So anybody can play it now. Anybody can play it. And it's going to be coming out uh, June 2nd. Guys, I love the game. I don't know if you're aware of that. Love the game. Uh, and the story of glory was posted on our subreddit at five by five dlc.reddit.com. Uh, this is from, uh, Reverend Bimmer who was playing the Blackwater Bay map of Heroes of the Storm and playing as Abathur. So a little background context, Blackwater Bay, you need to collect coins in various ways. These chests will appear. You kill the chest, you get the coins, and then you turn them in to this pirate, and then the pirate shoots uh, cannonballs from his pirate ship at the enemy's fort, which is a big key mechanic of that map. And Abathur is this alien character that plays really differently from any other character in the game. He actually can inhabit other people's, other characters' bodies, and then give them defenses and attacks. But he, you don't control him. You're actually inhabiting one of your teammates' characters' body, and just that person's moving around, and you're following, you're just inside, and then you can sort of assist but when you are in your own body, you move super slow and you're very vulnerable. So you almost never want to be in there. So that's context for this story. He says they were 28 minutes into a pulse pounding match and both teams were evenly matched and all the forts and towers on both sides had been destroyed. Each team had enough coins to turn in for the victory and the battle ensued around the pirate Blackbeard for what seemed like an eternity. So the next team that turned in their coins would win the game. Suddenly, heroes on both teams started to drop like flies until just Nazibu and Jaina were duking it out, each with over 25 coins, and their gargantuan and water elemental summons were battling it out. They both died simultaneously to the, each other's summons. 
After a moment of hesitation, I used Abathur's tunneling ability to dig over to Blackbeard, where the water elemental still had a moment of line of sight, so the enemy could see that he was there and vulnerable as Abathur. I wiggled and wormed my way through over 40 coins before turning them in in now a much richer Blackbeard. With my team cheering me on in chat, the cannons fired and the victory was ours. So he basically let these two people duke it out, kill each other, explode in a flurry of coins, and then little wormy old Abathur, vulnerable as heck, <laughs> just kind of scooted over there, picked up the coins, and turned them in for victory. That's a pretty great story of glory. Awesome. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, I appreciate you guys sending those in. By the way, you, again, you can post them on our subreddit, or you can email them to us at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail All right, guys, let's uh, let's carve out a little bit of table time. But first, we have one last sponsor to thank, and that is Hover. And when you have a great idea, you want to secure a domain name for it. You want something catchy and memorable to represent your online identity with Hover. You'll find the perfect domain name to bring your idea to life. Why? Because it's easy. You just search for the domain you want, enter a few keywords, and Hover will show you the best available options and suggestions. So, you know, videogames.com isn't going to be available, but there's a huge variety of domain extensions like .com, .net, .io, and other country codes. And using your keywords, it's going to formulate a cool domain name for you and give you a bunch of suggestions and a bunch of extension suggestions that'll suit your needs. You'll get a smart control panel, built-in DNS, and you can even add custom email or Google Apps if you want as well. And Hover offers valet transfer service, so they make it easy uh, to move your domains for no additional cost. They'll do all the dirty work to move your domain over from your current registrar, and to top it off, Hover has real human beings available for support with no wait, no hold, no transfer phone service. So if you've got problems, just pick up the phone and call. Head over to hover.com slash 5x5, that's H-O-V-E-R dot com slash 5x5, using numbers 5, to learn more and to get the domain of your dreams. Thanks, Hover, for supporting the show, hover.com slash 5x5. All right, guys, it's time for a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Andrew, are you a board gamer by any chance? I am, yes. Uh, I don't play them as much as I should. Uh, I also like like the Hero Clicks games, stuff mm. like that. Yeah. But most of my time is dedicated to to video games. Obviously, uh, it needs to be. Uh, yes. But you know, every once in a while, we'll we'll uh, some friends of mine and I will go to uh, one of their cabins uh, out in the woods in Minnesota. That's where we're at, and uh, we'll just play board games uh, for a weekend. And my favorite one is the one that I always recommend we play first is Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with it? For sure. Yeah. It's a creepy, spooky kind of dungeon crawl game where you're actually formulating the the layout of the house on the hill as you're exploring it. Uh, yeah. And that's another thing I'll point out is the games I really like to play are the co-op based ones. Mm-hmm. I think this one has that really unique dynamic where the big hook of the game is as you're forming this this mansion, this house, you know, laying down tiles and exploring it, someone's eventually going to become a betrayer. So they're going to turn against you. Uh, and then you're going to have to work on getting out of the house or eliminating their threat. And it's just, it's just a really cool 
I don't know, different take on on the board game formula of of co-op play. Mm-hmm. And I know there was recently a new one that came out. I have not checked it out. I heard it's terrible. <laughs> so if you do want to play this game, you got to you got to track down the old one, which I believe is going for like 100, 150 bucks at this point. But uh, I highly recommend it. And uh Again, get get the old version. Do not buy the new one. Oh, I have I've only played the reprint. I didn't know that the uh, old version was was superior. I I think I've only played the reprint, which came out just a, just a couple years ago, I think. Um, but yeah, the old one was like from the eighties, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's it's ancient. Awesome, uh, I didn't know but it, was it is that so much good. Better. Wow, I've never played that one. Very you got to track it down. Yeah, man. I guess I got to. Christian, you uh, you played some board games recently as well, didn't you? I did. I played um, some more Masquerade, which is the game we played at Tabletop Day, uh, Geek and Sundry. We talked about that before, and I, I had fun with it again. My wife played it for the first time. We went to Game Hoss here in Los Angeles. Actually, it's in Glendale, but in the Los Angeles area with a um, friend of the show and, and friend, Chris Bergman, who is a... Uh, one of the people behind the the company Chore Monster and iOS app and helping kids do chores, whatever. Great dude, uh, loves games, loves board games and video games. So we went to Game Oz. He was out here not too long ago and we played some more Masquerade. Introduced my wife to it. She had a lot of fun with it. We actually didn't play with the variant, Jeff. Remember last time after you you know, played your guy, your power, we, we marked him so then you had to shuffle before. Um, and I actually found that we got to playing, it was four of us, I think the sweet spot for the game was probably six, but we got to playing without needing the variant in a way that kept it fun because basically without it, you just need to swap. And once you know that one of your turns is going to be switching cards um, and you just start switching just to screw with people, man, that game uh, becomes more fun. So we talked about it on an episode before, but basically you're a character, you know who you are, then you turn your character face down. So you don't know who you are in the first four turns of the game are switching those characters. So you lose track of who you are, and then it's kind of a game of BS where you claim you're a character <laughs> and you get there to use their powers and therefore gold to win. But if you're not that character, rut row, there's a penalty. Of course, there's layers into it, but that's a very broad overview. And we had a lot of fun with it. Again, I think that might uh, come home to be played with brothers and in-laws and probably um, one of the expansion packs as well. And then we played what I guess is like a palate cleanser. Um, it's called No Thanks, <laughs> which when I just put, in, put into the show outline, I thought it was great because it was like tabletop time and my comment was just no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Are you aware of this game at all, Jeff? Oh, yeah. I own it. I love it. Um one of the best things about it is that it's super easily transportable. I once played it while spending the night in line somewhere for actually it was at Disneyland. I spent the night in line at Disneyland to be the first person to ride the new star tours, not first person, but of the first people to ride the new star tours. And we played it on the street in the middle of the night. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. So the way it works, I, and you might know the specifics better than I, we played a couple of rounds of it. But it's cards like 4 through 35, and every player gets 11 cards or whatever. No, you you divide the cards evenly, and then you put nine random cards away. So there won't be a full run uh, of the cards. And then you just sit there, and you have the deck, and you turn the cards over one by one. And you want, at the end of the game, you want to have the lowest number. Uh, you add up all your cards. You want to have the lowest number in your hand, and lowest you win. Yeah. And so. Lowest score, correct, sorry. So as you turn the card over, your option is either to take the card and add it to your hand 
or you start the game with, I believe, 11 red chips that are your no thanks chip. So you turn the card over. Let's say it's 34. Uh, you put a red chip on it. You say no thanks. And then the next person has the option to take the card and the red chip or put their own chip down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the red chips at the end of the game um, reduce your score by however many red chips you have. So if there's a 20 out there with 10 red chips on it, that card would only count as a 10. But the str- the luck of the draw, I guess, is that if you have a run of cards or a straight uh, of cards, it can be two or more, um, you, only get ca- you only count the lowest card in that run towards your score. So if you have nine through 20 in this bizarre example, you would only count nine towards your score. But you can't count on getting a run because there are nine blind cards discarded before you start playing. So we played four total rounds. In the first game, I was done. You know, there was no way I was going to win this thing. It was impossible. It wasn't going to happen. There were two cards left to turn over. My turn. I turned one over, and it was like 27 or something like that. And I had, uh, no, it was, a, it was a connector card. So I went from like 27, 28, 29 31, 32, 33, or something like that. And I was just like, oh, this is awful. And then I flipped over a 30 randomly and totally reduced my score, won the game, felt really good about it, and then kept playing and never got close to winning again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, but a, it's, it's, it's fun. a fun I mean, game. It's a great game. I really like it. It's a, it's a cool abstract. It's easy to teach. It plays fast. People get it. And it's it can be super... Uh, screw your neighbor. I mean, it is because if you keep track of who's been picking up what and you know that somebody picked up 19, 20, 22, 23, 24, and that uh, that 21 comes up, you snag it for yourself just to screw them. Uh, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, and then I think the thing that keeps it as a palate cleanser is that it's it's luck. It's luck of the draw. I don't think you can ever be better at this game than well, there's certainly strategy it. because it, it's 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 these wonderful questions of do I spend the chit in my hand or do I just take the thing you know because the chits are going to be worth something later or do I pull this card because it has a ton of chits on it or do am I looking at what other people are grabbing and can I figure out a way to mess up their run or can I secretly figure out a way to grab cards that will create a run for me? There's a lot of strategy to it. Oh, there's strategy. You just don't know if your if your whole strategy counts on you getting an eleven and the eleven's not in the deck. Right. <laughs> like that will never change. Right. You, know, you can't count cards to the extreme to win this game. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, it's very easy to recommend. Again, that's called No Thanks. And the other games uh, we mentioned so far are Masquerade and Betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh, I played a new game that I really really like. Uh, this is another co-op game, but a very different kind of co-op game. It's for exactly four players. You can't play it with more than four, and you can't play it with fewer than four. And it's called Witness. This is a game from uh, Yasari Games. Uh, uh, y- Yasari, I guess it's called? I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Y-S-T-A-R-I. Anyway, uh, this is a a murder mystery game. Well, not murders always, but a mystery game. You're solving mysteries as a group of four. And the way it works is... There are 64 different mysteries in the box, and there's this uh, case book that has all the different mysteries in them. And then each character has their own specific book. So you say, "I'm gonna, do, we're gonna do mystery number 12." So you, everybody turns to page 12, and everybody ha- has, excuse me, everybody has uh, a different piece of information that can help solve the case. 
And then there's a very specific order in which people then whisper information into their neighbor's ear. So maybe I'll whisper into Christian's ear, and then the next round, Christian will whisper into Andrew's ear, and he has to remember all the stuff I told him, plus the stuff that he knows from his booklet. And everybody, we don't know any other information from any other person except for what the stuff that was whispered to me. So it's like a game of telephone or whisper down the alley. Um, and then once four rounds of whispering have happened and different people are getting different information from each other, there is a final round uh, where you can write down everything you think you know at that point, And then we read out a series of questions that will solve the case. And the cool thing about the game is the information that you get just are clues to then require you to deduce the solution. So it's not like you get information from your friend and you, and the question is, what was the information from your friend? It's it's using the cumulative information that you have gained to then actually solve a logic puzzle. Sometimes you'll get a little diagram in the final questions that says, using the information you've got, look at this and figure out who did it or whatever. Um, and it is wild. And so then you, you, you answer the three questions uh, each individually. And then at the end, you reveal the solution and whoever got those questions right gets a point and cumulative, cumulatively as a group, if you get a certain score, then you win. Uh, very, very fun. A cool icebreaker game for like two couples, which is how we played it. Uh, really easily describable. Everybody gets it. And it's super fun to like walk into a different room and have, you know, whisper to a buddy, you know, what you know and like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. But you can't ask <laughs> questions. You just have to, you, the only thing you can say is, can you please repeat that? Uh, and then, you know, it's invariably, it's this really intricate bit of information that you're trying to keep in your head and then convey to the next person in line. So fun. Uh, it's called Witness and it's a Blake and Mortimer game. Blake and Mortimer are the like, super sleuths that are evidently a comic book series of, of detectives that I've never heard of before, but uh, it's called witness. Very fun. A uh, couple questions for you about yeah. it. You said there was how many cases? 64. Yeah. 64. And there's, and they're in four different difficulty get levels. Okay. So you can do the same case again, but have a different solution. No, there, there's only ever one solution. Um, so, oh, okay. So yeah, you can probably you could probably do it again if you play, played a different role or it's been long enough that you don't remember exactly how that worked out. But um, yeah, I mean, it has a finite number of plays. There are 64 of them. And they f- happen fast enough that we did four cases in one sitting because you, know, you can do them in like 10 minutes. Um, so, oh, okay. Yeah. And we, how many we, players does it recommend? It's only four. It's only four. You can't have fewer than four and you can't have more than four. You have to have exactly ah, okay. four players. Yeah. Um, Really great. It's so clever and such a different kind of experience of a game. Uh, and, the, and the difficulty level, like we did three easy level ones and one normal level one. And uh, they were all pretty challenging. In fact, the normal level one we had more success with than some of the easy ones. So it, they're all pretty challenging. And then it gets up to like diabolical level where it's really, really <laughs> So very cool game. Witness. Uh, All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We still have a parting gift to give you, so stay tuned for that. But I I really need to thank Andrew Reiner for being here uh, on Memorial Day. It's awesome. Fantastic guest, and and thanks for, for giving up your holiday morning to hang out with us. Thanks, man. 
Yeah, thanks again for having me. Love the show and continue the great work. Awesome, I And I will it. fix Witcher 3 for you now so you can go back to playing it. <laughs> yeah, we broke it so you'll be here. Thank you so here. much. <laughs> what a great parting gift. The only Thank way you. we knew we could get you on the show is to break your game. <laughs> um, so where can people follow your exploits uh, if they're so inclined? Uh, in the archaic print world of Game Informer magazine. So we have a monthly publication and then GameInformer.com. And then uh, you can look up my novel on Amazon, which is uh, Prime, uh, yes, which we- is a bad name for a novel to go on Amazon, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to point that out there. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then my band, uh, Tripping Icarus, uh, we also released an album recently. So you can download that too. Oh, very cool. Tripping Icarus. And Prime, I have read, is awesome, is very cool, crazy out there sci-fi, really, really awesome. I recommend it. Um, and you co-wrote it with Chris Cluey, the the punter, NFL punter, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that Check was an uh, interesting, uh, interesting process, I'll, I'll tell you that much. Wow, very cool. And if you're, if you're, anyone out there is thinking about writing a book with an NFL punter, don't do it. <laughs> Just back away. Run as fast as you can. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> well, there goes my, uh, there goes my, uh, oh, I can't come up with another punter's name, guys. It was going to be a real funny joke, but I couldn't. <laughs> well, just, just punt on making the joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, Christian, what do you got going on this week? Some things, fun things coming up to kick off June. June 4th is Sketch Mount, the sketch comedy show I do at the Nerdist Theater here in Los Angeles. June 5th is Trifecta, which I host with Ify Wadaway and Moses Storm. It's a sketch, improv, and stand-up. Neil Brennan, the co-creator of The Chappelle Show, is doing stand-up on the show. And uh, improv versus stand-up is June 11th at UCB. Uh, Trifecta and improv versus stand-up are both at UCB. And then uh, Wombat, Stuart Noct from uh, Cheap Ass Gamer, and I do a podcast called Uninformed Opinions where we pick a topic and just blabble for 20 to 30 minutes. A lot of times it's geeky, nerdy stuff because that's who we be. And this week's, we're going to record today, I believe, Monday, but this week's episode will be an Arrow Season 3 recap, and uh, Cheapy D is going to guest on it as well. So if you want to hear us complain about a show we love being awful... <laughs> I have a feeling that's what it's going to be. And then uh, I'm back on uh, the All Things Comedy podcast, Bitchin' with uh, Dean Del Rey. We record live Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. I missed a few weeks because uh, I finished writing a script. Oh, yeah, this is – I can say this. Baby. Uh, my writing partner and I, um, Ben Wiggins, we wrote out of uh, Devious Maids. It premieres Monday, the, the show, season three. Our episode is episode 10 titled Whiplash. Uh, not currently an air date, but look out for that. Congrats. So we had a table read and I was busy for that. So yeah, awesome. that was cool. A lot of fun. Uh, I mean, it's it's jokes. It is what it is. It's a show. It's a spinoff of Desperate Housewives. It is um, guilty TV in the best way possible. So season three, episode 10, look for that. And I'm on Twitter at Spicer. And I'm at Jeff Kanata. That's with two N's and one T. I've got the uh, movie show slash film slash filmcast.com. Uh, if you can check that out, we had a really spirited, fun review of Mad Max where I basically slobbered all over it because I love it with my whole heart. Uh, and then this week we're going to be talking about Tomorrowland, which is not as good. 
<laughs> um, and then, of course, we have concerns. We have concerns. Andrew, or excuse me, Andrew, Anthony Carboni is out of uh, the country right now. He's on his honeymoon. Congratulations to him. So we are doing fewer episodes. Like, there was no episode today. Uh, we are doing two episodes per week for the next two weeks. But we will be back with three episodes. And those two episodes are still going to be good. So check them out. Wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, all right, guys, that's it for this episode. Let's get our uh, little parting gift to bring you into next week. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Andrew, do you have a little suggestion for the folks? A little suggestion, like like what? Like anything? Uh, any? I'm sorry, maybe I didn't make wasn't clear about that. This is a. Any kind of suggestion to do during the week that might not be a video game or a board game? Something, I don't know, uh, maybe read your book. Prime would be a good example. Something else. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, how about I recommend uh, an album that you Fantastic. pick up, that you listen to? I am a big fan of 90s, I guess the 90s scene, the grunge rock scene, whatever you want to call it. And there is an album that does not get enough uh, enough play or I don't. I've never even really heard anyone talk about it and it's the band Helmet, everybody knows Helmet from uh, Meantime and Betty, but they have a, an album called Size Matters, which um, and it's like the Godzilla uh, tagline, but uh, <laughs> it is awesome. It is uh, one of the best uh, albums I've heard in, in a long time. And I just came across it and it, it originally came out in 2004. So if you like grunge rock or, or hard rock or whatever or Helmet, definitely check that album out. Awesome. So that is Helmet's Size Matters. Christian, how about you? You have a parting gift? I may have mentioned this before, but I found it when I was organizing my book collection. But Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please, is a, a fantastic read by a fantastic comedian and worth checking out. And then also look up those state 6A results or shout out to my alma mater, Kingwood, going back to back, winning the 4x4 again this year and winning the 800 again this year as well. Doing it proud, Kingwood High School. What? What? Big uh, Kingwood High listenership, I'm guessing we have. Uh, Probably. <laughs> I have an older recommendation as well. Andrew had a had a early 2000s recommendation. Mine's a little, little earlier. Uh, uh, one of my favorite movies, and I was reminded uh, of this again. I, I saw uh, Andrew Bowser, who works now for The Nerdist. Uh, I saw him at an event recently, and I was reminded about a film that he wrote and stars in that is so underrated. It, it, he created this independent film, and it everyone should know about it because I think it's brilliant and hilarious. Uh, it's called The Mother of Invention, and you can watch it for free on Hulu. Uh, he plays a character that he created called Vincent Dooley, who wants to be the world's greatest inventor, and he's going to set out to invent the the things that everyone has all the things that everyone has always wanted to invent like a a jetpack a love potion a time machine uh, I can't remember <laughs> what the other two are but uh, it's it's a mockumentary it's got some people in it you will recognize it's on Hulu I love it it came out in 2009 and so few people know about it that I was like man I gotta mention that game that movie again Mother of Invention on Hulu. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of DLC. Uh, we will be back next week as the hype train continues toward E3, so be there with us then. Thanks again to Andrew Reiner, Christian Spicer, the folks at 5x5, all of the cool people who are in the chat room today contributing to the show. Uh, also, thank you for listening. 
Hey, why not give us a review on the iTunes? Uh, we appreciate those five-star reviews. Also, telling your friend about the show would be pretty great. Why don't you do that, too? Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>